Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. I've been talking about protecting the anointing and not taking the anointing for granted. This is such a vital subject that I feel that we really need to focus on especially in our modern day church where things have become very casual you know church has become casual it's fine but we you know when your attitude towards the things of God become casual it's a very dangerous place to be because the anointing is holy it's pure it's holy it's precious, it's sacred. And when we come around the things of God, we have to come with a holy fear. And if we ever lose that holy fear towards the things of God, see, I'm not talking about the kind of fear that, you know, when the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm not talking about the kind of fear where you're, an evil fear I'm talking about a holy fear which is a reverential worshipful high respect and honor towards the things of God if you'll go with me to Leviticus chapter 10 we're going to see the two sons of Aaron Aaron was the high priest he was called alongside his brother Moses because Moses said, God, don't send me alone. Send somebody with me. He said, okay, I've, I'll, I've called and anointed your brother Aaron, who eventually became the first high priest. And there, was a two, there were two different orders of the priesthood. One was the Aaronic priesthood. That was basically through the line of Aaron, Aaron. <laughs> I'm just looking at you over here, my God. It's not a Aaron. It's Aaron. <laughs> the guy introduces himself at the media meeting as a Aaron. Aaron. Aaron was a high priest, and his sons were in line to become high priest to serve alongside him in the order of the high priest. And then there was the Levitical order. The Levites were all the other priests that served along with the high priest and his family, his sons, in all the ministerial priestly operations and functions in Israel. At this time, they had... The tent of meeting. The temple had not been built, been built yet. God had commanded Moses to build a tent, a tabernacle, that he could tabernacle with his people. The word tabernacle means to dwell among them. He says, build me, build me a tent that I may come and dwell among my people. See, God's always desired to dwell among his people. God always has desired to be with his people, to have fellowship 
and to dwell among them. That's what the Garden of Eden was. It was the first dwelling place of God where God came and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and the breeze, which really the Spirit of God would just come and just blow through the Garden of Eden and God would come and fellowship with them and speak to them. And they had this intimacy with the Lord. I mean, face to face. I mean, imagine God came and breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. Imagine the closeness and the intimacy and the face to face closeness that Adam had with God. As soon as he opened his eyes, he was right there. He was looking in, the, in his very image like looking in the mirror. And God spoke, be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. I mean, think about it. God blessed him and breathed it into his nostrils. I mean, the intimacy they had. So everything else after that was just a type and shadow of the things to come. Right? There's a tabernacle, a tent. A tent of meeting. Bible says when Moses finished building the tent, the glory of the Lord came and filled the temple. I mean, the tent, the tent of meeting like a cloud. Moses could not even enter in. The glory of God came. What is the glory of God? It is the highest intensity of the anointing we can experience here on earth. It's the highest intensity of the presence of God, the anointing we can experience here on earth is what we call the glory of God. Now under the old covenant, people saw that he came like a cloud. Now I have never seen the cloud, but I knew I felt the cloud. I knew the cloud was in the place. I've had people tell me during services like this when, I mean, the presence of God was so thick, it felt like you could cut it with a knife. The whole place was electrified and charged. It felt like the air, the very air particles were thick. Because the glory of God, the intensity of the anointing, the presence of God was in the place. And the glory of God is usually something, you see that when the glory of God comes, it fills usually a place or a whole area. It was said about the Welsh revival back in 1903 that the glory of God had descended upon the whole region of Wales. Over 80% of the people were converted and born again. Pubs shut down. People would literally go to the pubs and they would not be able to lift the beer mugs off of the counter and begin to shake under the power of God. The beer mugs were literally stuck and frozen to the counters and pubs shut down. The rugby team shut down. Nobody wanted to go. They would have church all day long. And the glory of God was so thick. They say if you read some of the, the, the things from the memoirs and from the eyewitness accounts of some of these revivals and I've read all of these some of these books are out of print but you can actually search and find things on the internet now man I mean some of the accounts of the revivals that hit regions and I'm not talking about a revival meeting I'm talking about a regional revival that lasted for for months at a time and years at a time where people could not even get away from the presence of God like people were walking around the streets just awestruck 
because the glory of God was there. Now, I have not seen it, but I'm telling you right now, people have seen that we, had, we were having this one meeting in Istanbul and one lady was sitting there and she said, it was like a thick fog, thick cloud came from behind me, behind the stage and filled the whole front area of the room. And then she said, you disappeared in it. I couldn't see you, but I heard you speak out of it. And you were saying, the glory of God is here. The glory of God is here. She said, I saw the cloud that came in. And then you were calling people up. And as they were coming up to the front, you never even got to lay hands on them. And, and I, she goes, because I didn't even see it. But as they walked into that thick fog, this thick cloud, they just disappeared and crumbled to the floor. Yeah. I mean, we've had meetings like that. I'm expecting, we're going to have meetings like that next week here in the, in the winter revival. I'm telling you right now. And so when Moses built the tent of meeting according to the pattern that the Lord gave him, amen, the Bible says the glory of God came and filled that tent of meeting, that tabernacle of meeting like a cloud. Moses could not enter in. Hallelujah. Then later on you see the same thing with the temple. When the hundred and... 20 Levites and the priests and the Asaph and Yeruthun and the singers and the psalmists singing together and all in one accord and, and the trumpets and the musicians marching and when Solomon's temple was completed and they were all singing and decreeing and declaring that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever, the Bible says suddenly the glory of God came and filled the temple like a cloud. And the priest could not stand to function or minister by the reason of the cloud. So when the glory of God comes and you begin to experience the glory of God, see now you've stepped into another realm. Now, it's one thing to not have any clue about the glory of God or to know anything about the glory of God. But once you have seen the glory of God, once you've encountered the glory of God, once you've been around the things of God, once you've been around the anointing, you can no longer take it for granted. You can no longer treat it like something common. And you cannot come around the things of God with this casual attitude. Hallelujah. So go with me to Leviticus chapter 10. These are the sons of Aaron, the high priest. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. Each took his censer and put fire in it. And put incense on it. And offered profane, another translation says strange and unholy fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord 
and devoured them or killed them. And they died there before the Lord. Isn't that interesting what happened? Strange fire, profane fire, unholy fire. Some Hebrew scholars have researched that and they say that it was unauthorized fire. That they were out of order. It was not their place, their time, or the way that they were supposed to do this. And having the position of being priests and the sons of Aaron, they should have known better. Now look at what happens right next to this. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Nadab and Abihu are basically doing their own thing. As we might say in the South, doing their own thing. There's a lot of people doing their own thing in the church. Which the Lord had not commanded them or they have not been authorized to do. They just do their own thing. And they take things for granted. And by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. Amen. And before all the people, I must be glorified. Now look at this, what it says in Amplify. This is what the Lord meant when he said, I and my will, not their own, will be acknowledged as hallowed by those who come near me. And before all the people, I will be honored. And Aaron held his peace or Aaron said nothing. Then Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brother, brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. Take them outside of the camp. So they went near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp, and Moses, as Moses had said. And then Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, the other two remaining sons. And then what it basically ended up happening was the priesthood went through Eleazar after that. It was supposed to be Adab, uh, Nadab, who was the oldest, and then Abihu, and then the third son was Eleazar, but because the first two got taken out, then it went to Eleazar after that. There's a reason the names are in order. There's a biblical order. If, if a name is mentioned first, because he was the firstborn. Nadab, and then Abihu, and then Eleazar, and then Ithamar, right? Do not uncover your heads, nor tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, come on. So they were not even allowed, lest, the, lest the, uh, the, the anger of the Lord is kindled against you. Bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. For the anointing oil 
of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. So they were not even allowed to grieve after the two brothers that died. This is because the anointing is on you. And your place is in the temple. Stay here. Don't go outside the camp. Don't go after this. Basically, it's like let the dead bury the dead. I know these things sound very harsh to people who do not understand the things of God. But these things are holy. And they are to be regarded as holy. So when we come around the things of God, the anointing, I mean, we have to understand. It's wonderful to be in the presence of God. We have an amazing time. But this is not entertainment and this is not for fun. This is for empowerment. This is the supernatural presence of God that comes upon people to empower them. So that they can be raised up to do what God's called them to do. So we have to understand that we cannot play around with these things. So what is strange fire today? People just playing around with the anointing. Playing around with the things of God. Coming around with an attitude of nonchalantness this just come around nonchalantly make make fun of things amen oh yeah you got that you go to that laughing church this is not a laughing church this is the anointing this is the glory of god this is joy unspeakable and full of glory this is where people's lives are being changed this is where people are being healed this is where people are being touched this is where people are being empowered this is where people are encountering god this is where people are experiencing god and being touched by the hand of god this is not just some laughing thing we do here and unfortunately a lot of people don't understand it. They're too, too quick to run their mouth and criticize and mock what they don't know and understand. If you don't know and understand, you need to hold your peace. Because Aaron, he didn't understand exactly what happened. Like, what just happened? I lost my two sons. They died before the Lord. And Moses says, wait a minute, Aaron. Those who come near me must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. And the Bible says, Aaron said nothing. <laughs> so if you don't understand what happened what God's doing say nothing <laughs> and just trust God and then Aaron's told not to even grieve don't even grieve God says to him then the Lord spoke to Aaron verse 8 and then 9 do not drink wine or intoxicating drink you nor your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle of meeting lest you die. So maybe they, were, they went in there drunk. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between holy and un unholy, between unclean and clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which, which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. Then Moses spoke to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, who were left. Take the grain offering that remains of the offerings made by the fire of the Lord and eat it without leaven beside the altar, for it is most holy. You shall eat it in the holy place, because it is your due and your son's due of the sacrifices made by the fire of the Lord. So I have been commanded. So this is very interesting. We, we, you need to 
guard and protect the anointing on your life. You cannot treat it as something common. Even when God instructed Moses to make the holy anointing oil, he says, he said, this oil is consecrated and set apart and distinguished and only and only and only to be used for the purposes of the ministry. You are to take this holy anointing oil, which he gave him the recipe for making it. It was a hint of olive oil and all the other things that went into it, anica and frankincense and myrrh and the other thing. They had to be crushed and ground into powder. They were from, made from plants and roots and things and they were to be crushed and made into powder and mixed into this oil because only something that would be crushed like fine powder could actually be mixed into the oil. So that's why you have to be crushed into fine powder and lose your own identity so that you can be mixed with the oil of the Holy Spirit so that you, can, you two can become one. But if you try to hold on to your own identity and your own thing, trying to do your own thing, you won't, the Holy Ghost will not be dictated to and the Holy Ghost will not be mixed into what you want to do. You have to mix into what the Holy Ghost wants to do. And that's what happened with Nadab and Abihu. They wanted to do their own thing. They said, oh, well, why don't we do it? You know, why can't we offer the, you know, let's make our own incense and just go in there and do our own thing. And God said, absolutely not. If you are to come into my presence, you have to regard these things as holy and not common, basically. And then the holy anointing oil that Moses was commanded to make, God said, take this, anoint Aaron and his sons and all the priests, anoint their clothing, anoint all the pieces of the tabernacle, everything, put the oil on that to consecrate and dedicate them by the anointing to be holy unto the Lord and then put it on all the furniture and all the different utensils that are to be used for the purposes of the ministry. So basically anything and anyone that was to be used in the ministry, in the service to, to, to bring honor and glory to the Lord was to be anointed with that oil. And he says, do not make, do not make anything resembling this oil. Don't make anything like it and use it for another purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't make a counterfeit. And so you have to be careful about the counterfeit. There's a lot of counterfeit that goes around parading itself as the Holy Spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. To me in the modern day church, whatever goes around the flesh, that tries to parade itself as the Holy Spirit is strange fire. When it's not the Holy Spirit, but you claim it's the Holy Spirit, now you're in danger of strange fire. Well, the Holy Spirit told me, the Holy Spirit's leading me, the Holy Spirit said this, that, and it's not the Holy Spirit. That's why you gotta be very careful not to throw it around like the Holy Spirit did this and the Holy Spirit said that, because if it's not the Holy Spirit, you're playing around with the fire. Now, we're not under the Old Testament, so we don't have fire coming out and destroying and consuming people on an inst in an instant, but you see their lives begin to be consumed and go into a downward spiral because now they've made a mockery of the anointing. We are not to make a mockery of the anointing. And, even, and, 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 and I warn people all the time, be drunk in the Holy Ghost, but don't play around with it. Don't fake it. I'll never forget, I had this couple visiting 
Istanbul and they knew Dr. Rodney. So they called me. They said, we're in Bulgaria. We're going to be coming over to Istanbul. We'd like to meet with you. We were, we've been around with Dr. Rodney. We've been in some of his meetings and we're ministers. We travel. We do meetings and stuff like that. So when they threw Dr. Rodney's you know, name out, and then this was a long time ago, so it wasn't, we didn't have iPhones or nothing, no FaceTime, no, you know, I couldn't even text him quickly, you know. Today I texted him in the morning, I mean, he, he texted me back, we're talking about something in Africa. But, I mean, it was very hard to communicate when you're talking about 2003, you know, very hard to communicate back, back in those days, you understand me. So I wasn't able to, like, check up on him, and they called me, and, you know, and they said, we're in town, we'd like to meet with you. So I said, okay. So, um... They came to the service, and then they had a few pastors with them that they had brought with them from, from Bulgaria. And um, they asked if you could, you know, just greet the people. So I gave them the mic. It was a big mistake. It's my early days of ministry. That's why I hold the mic now. I hold the mic with super glue. So the guy took the mic, and he started doing some weird things. And the pastors he had with him had these weird, weird manifestations that were going And it was like, all of a sudden I was grieved in my spirit. And then he goes around, he goes on and he falls on top of people. He starts kissing them on the cheek. He says, God's anointing you, giving him this sloppy, wet kisses on the cheek. And he grabbed this one guy, he was this, it was this Turkish guy, Muslim, first time in church. And I don't know why they stuck him in the front row, but some usher didn't have the wisdom and stuck him in the front row. And he goes and grabs this guy and he's kissing him on the cheeks and he pulls him down and he rolls him down to the ground and he's wrestling with the guy. He's on top of the guy. It looks, it looks, in, even in the natural, it just looked gross. And, and as he's doing that rolling around, I found an opportunity. I went and grabbed the mic out of his hand and said, well, praise the Lord and let's move on. And then, um, and I said, thank you for sharing with the people. Would you please have a seat? And I had to rescue the meeting back because they would have gone. And, and then he comes to me. He's trying to rebuke me. What have you done? You grieved the Holy Ghost. I said, stop it. You are a guest. First time in my church. And you took advantage of me. I wanted to, you said you want to share some testimonies about what God was doing in Bulgaria. And now you're going around giving sloppy wet kisses to men. And, and pulling down into the ground and wrestling with them on the floor saying that it's the love of God. I said, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. That was profane and strange fire. And don't you tell me that was the love of God. It was the Holy Ghost. That was the most, that was the grossest display of flesh I've ever seen and strange fire. That's exactly what it is. Just this, this disgusting thing that you did in my church was strange fire. And I want to have nothing to do with you. And his wife wanted to be so drunk in the Holy Ghost. It was all fake. She goes, wee, I'm so drunk. And she's walking, wee, I'm so drunk. And, and I said, stop it. Stop playing with that. And I've seen a lot of things over the years. Sitting in my office after the service when we're having this, she's sitting there. She goes, wee, and she falls to the ground, flopping around. And then she gets back up. Ten seconds later, she's sitting there looking at me. Wee! I'm so drunk. Eee! I said, I said, actually, this is not joy. It's some other weird thing you're doing. Wee, wee, wee. And then I said, stop it now. And then she 
stopped and sat there. Still trying to be nice to them, serve them some Turkish tea, you know. She almost knocked the tea over on my desk. Wee! Doing her wee thing. I said, you're actually not drunk in the Holy Ghost. You're actually very phony and fake. And so don't have anything to do with me. And they said, well, tomorrow we're going on the streets and, and then we're going to... We're gonna, uh, we're gonna go and we're gonna love on people. And I know what he meant, he just go grab people. We're gonna love on people. <laughs> and then they, they did that thing and then they came back another time. They were gonna do the same thing again and I, of course, wouldn't have anything to do with him. And then he calls me up, he goes, you know, we've, I've come here twice and we've gone two days on the streets and we've just, you know, sharing Jesus and the love of God and, the, and, and we're just so drunk. And, and then they, they think they're drunk, they grab people, they pull them to the ground and literally rolling around on the floor with strangers. And people just look at them like, are you insane? And then he has the audacity to say to me, we've done this twice now, we haven't been able to plant a church. I bust out laughing. I said, if you think you're gonna show up here for a couple hours, do this silly thing you're doing and plant a church, you're insane. I said, we've been here busting our butts, preaching the gospel day in, day out, passing out Bibles, discipling people. You know how hard it is to, to establish ministry, you think you're going to come here and playing this game. And so I've seen a lot of weird and flaky things over the years. And people just parading around, saying that it's the Holy Spirit and making a mockery of the anointing. These are holy things. Just because we're here, we have joy, it doesn't mean that we're just playing around, playing a game here. Hallelujah. So I want you to understand, I've been around and I've done a lot of revivals and I've been around a lot of places and I've seen a lot of weird and flaky things as well. And I can pick out a phony pretty quickly. And you need to be able to pick out the phonies pretty quickly. Otherwise people will come around you pretending to be anointed but they're going to be a bunch of uh, fruitcakes. And you'll wonder, what asylum did you escape from? Amen. So protect the anointing. Don't make a mockery of it. These are holy things. Approach these things with the fear of God. Keep your hands clean, your heart pure. Hallelujah. And don't be out of order. So people show up here all the time. You don't know the stuff we have to deal behind the scenes. They show up, they're prophets, prophetesses and whatever. And they want to go around prophesying to people. And we stop them. They take offense. I really don't care. I don't know who you are. You can't just come around here, do your own thing. Well, I'm, I'm, the Holy Ghost led me here. I'm supposed to. I had a guy show up here one Sunday morning. Holy Spirit led me here. I'm supposed to preach this morning. I said, seriously? So go sit down, sir. I'm supposed to preach here. I said, no, you're not. I'm preaching this morning. And I have a word from God to preach. Well, you grieving the Holy Spirit. No, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. Actually, don't try to come at me with that thing. You are the one grieving the Holy Spirit. You have no authority in this place. You are out of order. Go sit down. I will not. Then I'll call security. And you'll be thrown out of here. And if you don't obey, you're going to go away in handcuffs. And we've had people leave here in handcuffs. 
because they thought they could come on and take over the service and do things. One guy came up here, was trying to grab hands with the ladies. She said, I want to pray over them. I said, no, you will not. Well, he was high. People didn't realize he was high also. And he goes out and mouths off to the deputy, and the deputy put him in handcuffs and took him out. And then I had some undiscerning person thought that I was a very, you know, unloving pastor. It's because of my, I love the people that I won't let him come and put his hands on people. You don't know who that guy is. So we have to protect the anointing. There are boundaries. And so what is strange fire? It's people like that that show up here. They think they're going to come grab the mic and preach on a Sunday morning. Who are you, man? What insane asylum did they let you out of? I have a word from the Lord. I have a word from the Lord as well. Go sit down in the back row right there. And security, stand right there and keep an eye on him. You don't know how many times coming back here, somebody comes in. Are you the pastor? Yes, they stop me. And then they're trying to give me a word of prophecy for the church. I said, excuse me. You're not going to prophesy to me right now. You're not going to prophesy to this church. Oh, man, you should have seen. Oh, my God. You, the, the, the Good News New York with Dr. Rodney. I was in charge of security on the night services. I mean, security meaning I was like the liaison because they had 17 uh, unions. One guy had to move the cone, and then we had to call the other guy. The other guy had to come and move it two, two inches over because it was in the wrong place. If I touched the cone, I was yelled at by the union mafia who had to get paid $25 an hour to move the cone two inches over. I mean, the craziest stuff. So I was just basically, at, we're at the registration gate, and I was the kind of like the security liaison, and I had to communicate with everybody. Oh, my God, you should have seen the people that showed up in that place. When they got a free ticket, ticket to Madison Square Garden, a guy showed up one night. He looked like he was uh, John the Baptist. He was wearing this this brown potato sack looking thing had the crazy hair he said I'm a prophet I've come here to give a word to Rodney Howard Brown I said you have he said yes he will die this week in a plane crash I said sir please go away I will not go away I am sent by God I am going to go in here I'm gonna blow this shofar and I'm gonna take the microphone and I'm gonna curse him and I'm gonna rebuke him and uh, I said no you will not and then we had to call security as security taken away he is going blinkety blankety blinkety blank I said to the ladies there cover your ears that's the spirit that he's the, he's made of I curse this place I'm People crazy people out there, and they claim they claim to be prophets. They claim to be this and that, and um, you know we'd have people sneaking in, trying to pass out literature, and then we tell them you can't pass out literature here. What do you mean? Well, this is not your meeting. Well, I'm going to pass out literature. No, you are not authorized to pass out literature. Well, this is for the kingdom. I understand. Maybe it is. Maybe it is not. But you can't. You know how much money. It's taken to, to, to do this crusade, and you just showed up, and you're trying to basically, you know, siphon off the anointing. So there'll be a lot of people that will come around as well, just trying to siphon off the anointing on your life. 
you have to also protect yourself and the anointing on your life because people will come instead of pressing into the anointing for themselves they'll try to suck on the anointing on your life and they'll try to ride your coattails because they're not willing to pay the price So we have a lot of strange fire in the modern day charismatic Pentecostal world. There's just as much idolatry with some Pentecostal charismatics than Catholics and others. They have their own little trinkets. I was in this one place. They came out. The four guys came out wearing white tunics carrying around a, a, a mock-up of the Ark of the Covenant. First of all, you're not a priest. Secondly, that's not the Ark of the Covenant. Thirdly, you're making a mockery of it. Go sit down. And fourthly, there's no anointing on the Ark of the Covenant anymore. And they're, still, they're still looking for it, trying to find it. I'm absolutely sure it doesn't exist anymore or God hid it somewhere so that people wouldn't worship it. Because if they actually found the real thing, everybody around the world, and, and it would be most of the American church first to go, go worship it. I'm pretty sure it's been destroyed because there's no anointing on it anymore. In any ways, hallelujah. And there's no more tabernacle tent of meeting and there's no more temple because Peter says don't you know that you are the tent and then Paul says don't you know you are the temple your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost your body is the temple of God and so the anointing is on you the glory of God fills you so that means you've got to make sure that you keep this pure and not make a mockery of the anointing don't merchandise the anointing for selfish gain and for personal profit and and don't use the anointing to manipulate people. Don't abuse the anointing. And don't live the kind of life that will bring reproach on the body of Christ. Where your life becomes a mockery. Where people think, oh man, you're this anointed person. But then you make a mockery of the anointing. And they look at your life and they see the hypocrisy. So live a life that honors God. If I am God and if anyone is to come and approach me, you ha they have to come and approach me with honor and a holy fervor. Hallelujah. Is this helping anybody here tonight? Is it okay if I do some more teaching on this? I really felt we got to get this recorded. Go with me to 1 Samuel. Another high priest, several generations later, named Eli. Chapter 3. Verse 1. Now the boy Samuel... Remember Samuel was raised up. He's a young boy. God's called Samuel supernaturally. 
I mean, he's born and God's hand is on him. He's, 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 a, he's come into, the, into this time by a divinely ordained plan and purpose for his life because God has a plan and purpose for the nation of Israel. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. What does that mean? The word of the Lord was rare in those days. They just didn't have the word. They, they didn't have much, any regard for the word. Now watch something that's going to happen. Because they didn't have any regard for the word, eventually they lost the Ark of the Covenant, which is a type and shadow of the presence of God. So the glory of God left the anointing. They lost the anointing because they didn't have any regard for the word of God. So you might be anointed now, but if you lose your respect and honor and regard for the word of God, that anointing will, you can end up losing the anointing. Amen. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and he answered here I am so he ran to Eli and said here I am for you called me and he said I did not call go lie down again he went and lay down again and the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call my son. Go lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli, Eli perceived that the Lord had called. It took Eli three times to realize that. Look, it took Eli, the high priest, three times to realize that the Lord had called Samuel. Right? Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, twice. And Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to the end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. Because his sons made themselves vile. Remember, Aaron was the high priest. Nadab and Abihu was his sons. Now we have another high priest. Many generations later, his name is Eli. And his sons have become vile. And Eli has not dealt with them and corrected them. Because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, here I am. 
He said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what he seems good to him. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now, of course, in chapter 4, you see that the ark is captured. Watch this. Then the word of the Lord came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel and when they joined the battle Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field and when the people had come into the camp the elders of Israel said why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us that when it comes to us it may save us from the hand of our enemies so the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts who dwells between the cherubim and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. Everyone say Hophni and say Phinehas. Don't name your kids those if you love them. They were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. See, now they're out of order. They've taken the ark of God out of Shiloh, out of the holy place. They brought it into the battlefield thinking that the ark is going to save them. Right? When the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. See, God had a reputation. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent and there was a very great slaughter and there fell all Israel, 30,000 foot soldiers. And the ark of God was captured and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas died. Again, out of order. Mockery, making a mockery of the anointing. They, God didn't tell them to go. You find out later, Samuel says, why did you go? God didn't tell you to go. I didn't tell you to go, but you went anyways. And then not only that, you took the ark, you took it out there for your own purposes, thinking that you're going to defeat the Philistines. And then you find out that they get slaughtered and the ark is stolen and the ark represents the glory of God. The anointing is lost. 
But before the anointing was lost, the word of the Lord was what? Rare. Scarce. There was very little revelation. Why? Because you find out that Eli, Eli, his eyesight was becoming dim. Why was his eyesight becoming dim? He could no longer see. He could also no longer hear. It took him three times to realize that God had spoken to Samuel. He was hard of hearing and hard of seeing spiritually because he had become spiritually dull. Why? Because he had allowed the sins of his sons who were sleeping with women in the temple and stealing money from the temple treasury. And he tolerated it. He allowed it to happen. He didn't do anything about it. And for that reason, the word of the Lord became rare. There was very little revelation. And Eli became dull of hearing and seeing spiritually. And then eventually he falls over and dies. And you can read the rest of the story. But it's pretty crazy what happened. So you have... Nadab and Abihu, and then later on you have Hophni and Phinehas, and they're playing around. And, and think about these. These are like pastor's kids, PKs. I mean, they grew up around the things of God. They grew up in the church. They grew up in church. They grew up around, they grew up around the glory of God. They grew up around the ministry, but then they became nonchalant about the things of God. They're just playing around with it. They're bringing women. They're getting drunk fornicating in the temple stealing money from the offerings and Eli knew it and didn't do anything about it that's why God had to raise up Samuel and then they take the ark out there to go to battle and they get their butts kicked first 4,000 men go then 30,000 the whole army was slaughtered by the Philistines who were afraid at first they thought man they brought the ark we're done now and then they realize, man, God's not with them anymore. Because they have dishonored, dishonored God. So God's not with them anymore. So I have to share on these things concerning the anointing. The anointing, the presence of God is not something to be played with. And you have to walk. You have to walk in a place of consecration to the things of God so they went into battle without the word of the Lord and without the anointing and then they lost the ark the ark was taken away which is a type of the anointing so I cannot share on the anointing and not share on these things. Because we have to treat the presence of God with the utmost respect. It's not something to be played with. And we got a lot of fake it till you make it type of attitude in the church world these days. You don't have to fake anything. 
And you don't have to be trying to siphon off somebody else's anointing. There's more than enough anointing for everyone. There's more than enough anointing for everyone. Hallelujah. Pastor, could we just go ha 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 ho ho he 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 again? And it's interesting that there's actually people out there who think what we do is strange fire. That guy that's having the cessationist conference wrote a book called Strange Fire and, and, and attacking the move of God, attacking tongues, attacking healing, attacking miracles, naming people by name because they don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit and miracles are for today. And they're having a conference called the Cessationist Conference. That means the gifts have ceased. Miracles have ended. There's no more supernatural. That was just in the time of the book of Acts. That's not for today. I got news for you. You've come too late because I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm a tongue talk. I've been filled from the top of my head down to the soles of my feet with the Holy Ghost. You come too late to tell me. I've seen too many people healed. I've seen too many miracles. You've come too late. And somebody said, well, why doesn't God deal with those people? He will. Just like he will deal with you. He'll deal with everybody. But I'm going to tell you right now. What's going to happen in the last days. The glory of God. The intensity of the anointing. Is going to increase. And when the intensity of the anointing increases. You understand what I'm talking about. That's when the judgment will come. Because higher the glory of God, higher the judgment for those that touch the glory. So right now, we are in a time of grace. We're in a time of grace. But the day will come. The day will come. The days of Ananias and Sapphira might come. Everybody wants the days of the Peter's shadow. But right before the days of Peter's shadow was the days of Ananias and Sapphira. When the Bible says, the fear of God came upon the church. And for those that were outside, the Bible says, they dared not join them. But then the Lord was adding to their numbers daily, such as those that were being saved. That means there were still people coming to the church. It was just like, hey, if you're going to go to that church, you better know. You better know you're living right. 
I wonder if that's why they had cemeteries in the backyard of some of those churches, you know. Thank God people don't drop dead in church anymore. I mean, can you imagine in America, they'd sue you. The whole family would sue you. They'd write up about you. Probably the mercy of God that people are not dropping dead in church. Because <laughs> I cannot imagine if somebody dropped dead in church, how I would explain it. Um, they stole in the offering and they died. We just, we can't take him out back and bury them. But many do die. Many do die. Many do die spiritually. They, they do fade away and disappear. And, and the call and the plan and the purpose on their life just withers away. Just like Adam. He didn't instantly drop dead and die, but he eventually did die. For some, it's a slow death. So hold the things of God to high esteem. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Hold the things of God to high esteem. God's going to give people a chance to receive his word. And if they will not, eventually, time runs out for many. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance, but everyone has to make a choice. And I sense a holy reverence in this place tonight. I think it's about the only place we can go right now. I sense a holy reverence. I sense a holy reverence.
I believe an important part of the last days move of God in the church is going to be a restoration of the fear of God in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2 we have the description of the seven spirits of God the book of Revelation talks about the seven spirits of God What does that mean, the seven spirits of God? Well, there's one Holy Spirit. But there are seven ways, seven aspects, seven characteristics of the Spirit of God. Just like I am one person, but I'm seven different persons in a sense. I'm a husband to my wife. I'm a father to my daughter. I'm a pastor to you. I'm a neighbor to my neighbor. I'm a citizen to the United States. I'm still the same person. Do you understand? Like the different functions, the different roles I play. And you can go on and on. I'm a teacher in the Bible school. To a church I go preach at, I'm a guest speaker, guest minister. I'm still the same person. It's the same Holy Ghost. But look. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of the Lord. So Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord. Then he's the Spirit of wisdom. Then he's the Spirit of understanding. Then he's the Spirit of counsel. And then he's the Spirit of might. Then he's the Spirit of knowledge. And then he's the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. So if you want the Holy Spirit working in your life, you can't just say, well, I just want the wisdom. I just want the knowledge. I just want the power. I just, I just, I just want the counsel that He gives me, the strategies that I receive. I want knowledge. You got to receive the fear of the Lord. Amen. Just like you receive joy, you receive the fear of the Lord. So I'm, I'm going to pray tonight. Not only for the house, but those watching on the broadcast, people are going to receive the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That the fear of God will be established in your life. Come on, lift your hands. Father, I pray tonight. Holy Spirit of God, you are the spirit of the Lord that comes and rests upon us. You are the spirit of wisdom. You are the spirit of understanding. You are the spirit of counsel. You're the spirit of might. And you're the spirit of knowledge. But you are the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And I pray tonight for each and every one of us that we receive tonight, as we receive tonight, that you would come and fill us Fill our hearts, fill our lives with the fear of the Lord. May we have a revelation, a burning revelation of the fear of the Lord in our lives, in our hearts. May we never lose the fear of God. To turn to the left or to the right, 
May the fear of God keep us grounded. May the fear of God keep us rooted. May the fear of God keep us on the straight and narrow path. May we never be out of order. May the fear of God grip our hearts. May the fear of God be, become the restraint in our lives. I pray that the fear of God will restrain us. Restrain our lives. Restrain our mouths. Restrain our thoughts. Restrain our actions. May the plans and the purposes of God be established in our lives and may anything outside of the plan and purpose of God if we even try to go a different way may the Spirit of God come may the fear of God grip us and restrain us I pray Hallelujah And it's sad that we hardly hear this kind of preaching. But there's a place for it. I felt prompted by the Holy Ghost to share it tonight. It's not the... Pastor, is it to put a fear in us? A fear of God. Same thing with me. I have to walk in the fear of God. There was a great minister in the 80s. He was a big Jim Baker. He talks about it publicly. He, he ran the PTL network. At the time, it was the largest Christian television network. Praise the Lord network. And he ended up going to prison. Fell. Not just adultery, but embezzlement of funds, misuse, misappropriation, money, a lot of money stuff. That's really why he ended up going to prison. And a minister was visiting him and he asked him, he said, at what time did you stop loving Jesus that you ended up in this position? He said, oh, I never stopped loving Jesus. I'm not here because I stopped loving Jesus. He goes, I stopped fearing Jesus. I stopped fearing God. I thought I could touch all this stuff and there would be no consequences. And that's why I ended up here because there are consequences. There's grace, but there are consequences. There's no grace to override disobedience. There are some things grace cannot do, and one, grace will not override disobedience. Now, and grace will not cover up sin. Now, if you do repent, grace will help you overcome the sin. But you realize, he still went, I mean, he repented as soon as he got into prison, he repented, but he was still there years. Because there are consequences. There are just certain things. The Israelites, they could have made the journey. They didn't, so 40 years. The consequence was that one generation would perish in the wilderness after 40 years. Barnabas made a choice, had consequences. He had teamed up with the Apostle Paul, but young Mark, his nephew, came along with them 
on the first missionary journey, he was not ready. And he quit and he went back. And next time Barnabas wanted to bring him along again, Paul said, no, the kid's not ready. Barnabas said, well, he's my nephew. Paul said, sorry. And the Bible says they separated. And then he brought Silas with him on the next two missionary journeys. But then we never hear of Barnabas again in the book of Acts. So, and I'm not saying, you know, God didn't use him, but you got to be careful with the choices you make. But thank God, later on, Paul writes and says to, to Timothy, bring with you John Mark. He's become very useful for the kingdom. So eventually he, he grew up and he wrote the gospel of Mark, which is basically the gospel of Peter. But he just wasn't ready. He got thrown in. He wasn't ready. And he was family. Sometimes there are emotions attached you end up making emotional decisions that are not spiritual decisions. Do you understand that? So we have to understand we cannot make emotional decisions. We have to make decisions spiritually, not emotionally, because there's always a cost. There's a price of each decision we make. And some decisions will cost a high price. That's why we have to prayerfully make the decisions, submit major decisions, have people that allow people to speak into your life. Don't be your own, don't do, go do your own thing. Allow people to speak into your life. You have to be undercover. You have to have people speak into your life. If you're not accountable and you don't allow people to speak into your life, it's a dangerous place to be. Very dangerous place to be. Amen. So maybe you have to do some accounting with God. I mean, I don't know what's going to come out of tonight. I preached the message. And just as much as I preach it to you, I have to walk it. Because where I am, my position, the road is even more narrow. You think you're on a narrow path? You haven't walked my path. I'm not on a path. I'm, on, I'm walking uh, between those two mountains on that string with no harness. Have you seen that guy that walks on, walked on a wire from one mountaintop to another mountaintop? My Lord. <laughs> I was hyperventilating watching the guy. Had no harness. Because that's how it is. In your leadership, you have to be very, 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 very careful with your decisions because it doesn't only affect you, it affects others. That's why the enemy likes to take out leaders because he takes out one leader and then another thousand, two thousand, ten thousand fall by the wayside because they have their eyes on men. But not everybody can handle that. So understand that our obedience impacts multitudes but our disobedience will also impact multitudes thank you for tuning into my podcast i hope that you have been blessed i would like for you to consider two things number one 
Subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.